0: It's great to be back with you again this week. We are back in person from our VIT events in Vancouver and Calgary over the weekend. It was a great start to start to see clients across the country once again in person. Now we're going to touch off the top briefly on a feud between AOC and Elon Musk over Twitter, uh, some of the actions that he's instituted since he took over. Aaron is going to kick off his segment with a look at the recent inflation data in Canada. In our Your Stock, Our Take segment, Aaron answers a viewer question on Decisive Dividend Corporation, symbol DE, on the TSX Venture. The company is an acquisition-oriented business that focuses on opportunities in the manufacturing sector. Manufacturing includes selling wood and gas-burning stoves, fireplace inserts, agricultural sprayers, waste water evaporators, and manufacturing solutions for the energy sector, among other products. The listener asks us to share our thoughts on this dividend-paying small cap. In our Stars and Dogs segment, Brett starts with our Dog of the Week, Spotify, symbol Spot on the NASDAQ. It's one of the largest music and streaming service providers in the world. The stock is down nearly 70% year-to-date and 24% since reporting its most recent quarter. Our Star of the Week is Modine Manufacturing Co., symbol MOD on the New York Stock Exchange. The stock has bucked the bear and is up 54% in the last month alone, 97% year-to-date. Modine designs, manufactures, and tests heat transfer products for a variety of applications and markets. The company has two segments, climate solutions and performance technology. Strong quarterly numbers have been pushing the stock higher, and we let you know if this can continue. I'm going to welcome my co-host, Aaron, and one half of the killer bees, Brett Brennan, unfortunately, is sick as a dog at home, sucking his thumb and cuddling a teddy bear with his mom on speed dial. And we can all envision that right now, can't we? We're
2: going to have to take a look at that doctor's note next mm-hmm. week when he gets it's back. It's true. Make sure yeah. he's not just trying that to That
0: fake cough that he phoned off. in with. Yeah. That's right. He yeah. phoned in yeah. two well, hours a big earlier. Week, as
2: you said, so we, we, uh, we were in Vancouver, Calgary, doing in-person events on the weekend. Uh, we did a, a webinar online last week, another one yesterday so it's been it's been a busy week i don't i don't blame the kid for wanting to take a little time to rest he yeah can, for uh, sure he can uh he can leave it up to the tough guys to, i i still mock
0: him running. but that's that's all i yeah. need right oh no Bre- brennan had a, a good time he said uh one of the, one of the clients he this was the first time he ever spoke live at an event for about 30 seconds but no it was about 15 minutes i'm kidding but uh he was a little nervous heading in but we had one of our clients came up and uh, gave him a pat on the back saying he did a really good job and they thanked him for it. So that per- per- perked him up because we had been ripping him, telling him how awful he was with his uh, with his preparations and everything. He did a good job, Brennan, if yeah, you're
2: he listening. He did a good job.
0: Which we know he is. Uh, yeah. You did a good job. And we'll probably never have you back, but at least you got that one in. So. Okay, the let's look at... Ratings just uh, going
2: to drop without Brennan on the show, right? I it's just People are going to be like, why would you even bother...
0: The this Well, the entire uh, city of Saskatoon listens every time he comes on here. So we there should lose at least two or three. We'll lose Saskatoon. Right? So, <laughs> so that'll be tough for the ratings. Okay. Do you want to get into AOC versus Elon Musk? Not but, really. Uh, Brett, can you tell us <laughs> what this was over? It was over a number of things, right? But uh, it was basically oh, the verification, just, yeah. right? The charging for that. But it goes back a
2: while, right?
3: Yeah, They've they had they two of your favorite before. people, right, Ryan? oh yeah well, it uh, it's ryan's I constant take he yeah he's, he's a diehard socialist so he's he's very much against the billionaire class as you can see he's yes not not a capitalist at all not in the slightest true. not at all but yeah but, uh, this yeah.
0: the the feud here was about what
3: Does it any, was about the the classic eight dollar check mark which yeah which is a problem in itself, which uh, I'll quickly run down. So Elon has been, as he acquired, which I'm sure everyone at heard has heard at this point since it's yeah, been for sure. not just on the internet, it's been the talk of practically everywhere, politics and online, in person. We got, I think, a couple of questions uh, at our events on it. But uh, so Elon must, because he's trying to replace the ad sources, which he has pushed away to some degree has been charging now $8 to get your verification. It as well pushes up your post because, you know, why not? And AOC has taken against this, is is mocking it. She
0: sent out a tweet on Tuesday. AOC mocked this move and tweeted LMAO at a billionaire earnestly trying to sell people on the idea that free speech is actually an $8 per month subscription plan. (sighs) So then commenting back on this tweet, Musk replied, your feedback is appreciated. Now pay eight dollars. So fairly clever, at least in his mind. Now, do we want to play a little bit of this clip right now? Should we do that? Or of course. Okay, let's do that.
1: So I pull up my Twitter app and it's like gone. Like when you pull up your mentions and stuff like that, it's just like literally like a blank screen. Totally
0: gone. And I was like, hmm, that's weird. So it turns out we got under a certain little billionaire skin. So linked with free speech, I would say, uh, is also freedom to charge whatever the hell you want for something you own. So, uh, you know, you know, I don't have to agree with his. Uh, it may be poor, a very poor decision for Twitter to do this, but it's certainly within their rights to do this. She or anyone else can actually just go to another platform to express their opinions. And maybe that will uh, occur. Now, in this case, AOC, many people out there have benefited greatly from Twitter as a medium of expressing their opinions, getting them out there. Uh, monetizing this, to me, isn't a surprise. I, again, she chose to, sh- to share this on Twitter. Now, as I understand, um, she also shares in this video Uh, That then she logged into her Twitter account and all her mentions and everything were gone. And she thought that they were actually just, you know, they were removing those and they she'd really got under Elon's skin. Um, Like, as I understand, there's been tons of glitches on Twitter following uh, some changes that were made there. So I don't think this was AOC specific. Um, I think maybe she's just mocking that maybe she's trolling him. But um, she re- recorded a video and shared it, and the feud went on. She talked about uh, all the information again; again, her information being on Twitter being gone. Uh, he then Musk went on to tweet a screenshot of AOC's campaign and her store, which all of the things she sells there—t-shirts and everything, her her swag—and she goes on to say, "The difference is we do things for society with the resources that are entrusted to us." Now, I, I'm assuming. That I mean, maybe she's just talking about those resources from selling t shirts, but I'm assuming that she is talking about herself, politicians, the resources that they are entrusted with doing things for society. Um, we can have a massive debate as to whether Democrats or Republicans do this better, both pro- run up massive public debt, probably not minding the store well either way. Um, as far as doing things for society with the resources entrusted in them, is that not a politician's job description. She goes on to complain about billionaires not doing this. I just, where does she think she gets the money, the resources that are entrusted to her from? Hello, it's from taxes, directly from billionaires or the companies they created or the employees they pay. Like, for the love of God, this type of thinking is so one-sided, it makes me want to lose it. She went on to say that billionaires pocket that extra change that they take, and they take that to Wall Street. So that's where she ended the quote. Uh, the statement is so simplistic and cliche. Now, there are merits to each side of these debates, but I, my final point is, why is every debate just so black and white? is just no room or little room for gray or one side seeing the other side. It's just billionaire bad me good, or socialist good, or socialist good, socialist bad, billionaire good, whatever the hell it is. It's just no room for gray area in the middle. Um, Honestly, maybe if it's Twitter that's the problem, it's forced people to debate with like six characters of speech. So I don't know. I don't know what the, I'm not sure what the answer is here, but uh, these limited debates with just dogmatic Um, you know, everything is dogmatic in terms of your point of view behind the debate. I don't find it encouraging. I don't find it very, uh, productive, progressive or productive. Yeah. Anybody got anything else to say? I'm getting, you can find it all over Twitter. I'm starting to get
2: the impression that maybe Ryan isn't actually a big fan of AOC. I, it's, you know what?
0: If if we could have a reasonable debate with her that just didn't have absolute dogma, then she'd be fine. But uh, well, you know, it's just show. all I ever see. We let's invite her on; that would be great. I think we just get frustrated, though. <laughs> that would be the issue. But I mean, I'm will. We're willing to talk about it, right? We'd be willing to talk about it, and just you know, the thought that where do those resources come from? That, you know, you want to, you know, I, I just, I personally, that you've been just, entrusted as, as a
2: wider issue, I just, I can't stand Twitter. I think that Twitter really kind of contributes for many people anyways, to like the devolution of their brains, right? Like you you have grown adults on Twitter acting like they're elementary and high school kids. No offense to elementary and high school kids. So to
0: me, just no, you entire, did offend them just, already. Sorry. Sorry. You just offended them by saying that. I did. That. Yeah. No, 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 no. Sorry. I, well, I, honestly, There's no I, taking that back.
2: That probably is offensive, but uh, but so to me, it's just you know you, you got a couple couple people desperate for attention and yeah, that's what it basically boils down to.
0: I mean, there are, I do. There's some great things I can find. Great information. Like we'll look at you know some people that we like in terms of the financial industry on Twitter. Like I'll find you know I like to find information about the NHL, the trade deadline. I'll look. I'm glued to it. I'll look at it and I'll find great information there. It is a good source. For some information but it's also there's also has its negatives too and, and yeah. well it's a technology
2: and like any technology yeah, yeah. it can be used for. well then
0: we get arm human arm beings arm. involved and we destroy it right that's, there you go that's,
2: there the you debate go. is destroyed by
0: idiocy anyways that's my rant um brennan has nothing to say clearly so we'll just move <laughs> on i don't know what's wrong with him right he's not put poking his head up so let's look at um aaron you wanted to talk about some inflation data sure. that was released uh just Recently, was it this week in Canada? No,
2: it's not necessarily. Infl- the inflation data Two years ago, is going so, to yeah. be released uh, in going the U.S. This, this Thursday. So by a lot of, by the time a lot of people see the video, that number will be released. And then I believe the Canadian figures are going to be released um, after that. But uh, maybe next week. Um, but what I wanted to do is just, I just wanted to talk about inflation a little bit and just kind of dive into the numbers. Because this is the hot topic on everybody's head and has been a while right it's essentially what's driving uh the markets if you you know midterm elections are happening right now in the us if you ask people what's the most important issue it's inflation so um what i want to do just dive into the numbers a little bit and just see what we can uh, what we can uncover if we can uncover any uh excellent all right so this is just inflation canadian we're going to focus on canada like i said numbers are going to likely be out next week i believe sometime um, so this is w- the one year chart, uh, how we've seen it trend. So up hitting a peak of around uh, 8.1% in May, you know, it's pulled back here to 6.9%. So I want to focus in on the specific contributors to inflation, um, just in the recent period that, that we have data for. So these would be the September numbers that were released in mid-October, and then the, the October numbers are going to be released shortly. So this is, this is CPI for the month. Annual CPI, so compared to September in the previous year, you can see all items at the top, six point nine percent. So that's the average. Um, and when you look through this list, you know you can see it's it's uh, some pretty high numbers, um, almost right across the board. But there are three there are three items here that are that are the lead contributors or have been the lead contributors to inflation over the last year to the six point nine percent figure. So we have food here at ten point three. We have gasoline 13.1%. And then we have energy at 14%. So other contributors as well. Some, some but these are the these are the top three. Um so but what I want to do is switch now. So when typically when you're when you're talking about inflation, a lot of people focus on that yearly figure, which right now is 6.9%. We're gonna switch now to the monthly figure. So this is the September data compared to August, so just the month before and inflation increased 0.1%. And I want to take a look at the items that were the biggest drivers over the past year, right? So food still pretty heavy inflation 0.7% for the month, but when we go down to gasoline down 7.4%. And then we take a look at energy down 4.4%. So we can see here that 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 the some of the big contributors over the last year are actually have actually been deflationary over the past month. Right? And we're going to take a look here at the at the monthly inflation rates, essentially going back to last October, so the last year. And if we look at uh, October, November, December, Q4 of last year, we can see we had a little bit of inflation, but where it really started to accelerate was in January of 2022. So we had started at 0.9% monthly inflation, then 1%, 1.4%. Um, but these were the these were the big months um, all the way up to about June. And then from June over the past three months, so the July, August, September numbers, we've actually seen inflation come down. The monthly inflation numbers come down quite a bit. So 0.1% in July, negative 0.3% in August, and then 1.1% in September again. So the Bank of Canada started raising rates around March. And everybody knows there's you know there's a multi-month lag period before we start to see that effect. But it does appear here that it has had an effect because the monthly inflation rate has declined significantly. So I want to see what we can do with this, have a little bit of fun. Um, you know, I, I don't know exactly what the forecasts are for the for the upcoming month that we're going to see soon. I believe that it's actually negative uh, 0.1%, but don't quote me on that. It doesn't really matter. We're going to see those, those numbers soon. But we're just going to do a little forecast here and see how does inflation trend when um, when we just extrapolate these results going forward. So assuming that the that what we've seen in terms of the last three months of inflation has been the result of rising rates, or at least a large part to rising rates. Um, you know, what would inflation look like if we were to extrapolate that going forward? So we put together this uh, entertainment, informational forecast of inflation. And what we see here is that you know assuming this holds, this this lower inflation rate holds, Um, For the rest of the year, we really don't see that much of a change in inflation, you know, it stays stubbornly up in the 6% range. But then once we get into January of next year, we start to see a major change starting off the year in January at 5.5, going down to 4.5, 3.2 in March, 2.7% in April, and then 1.3% in May. And that's because as we get into those months where this year, we had the highest level of inflation. Once we get into those months in 2022, those numbers are going to be out of the equation. And uh, this is essentially where I think investors can start to look for inflation declining. Now, is is this a good model? Is this a good forecast? Should we base our investment decisions on this forecast? No, absolutely not. That That's insane. This is just to kind of show what's going on, what the trends look like right now. And, you know, the main point here is that we're making the assumption of a 0.1% growth in um, in inflation on a monthly basis going forward, right? It's not going to be 0.1%. It's going to be something else for sure. It could be lower. It could be higher. You know, we don't know what's going to happen in Ukraine. We don't know what's going to happen with relationships with China. There's a lot of other factors that come into play. But certainly one thing that that we can see is that a major driver of inflation has been energy. That has come down, at least for now. And there's also some trends appearing in the labor market as well. I mean, the labor market has been incredibly tight, red hot, but we are starting to see some of that change. So a lot of tech companies have been announcing layoffs, big layoffs like Meta um, is laying off 11,000 workers. Um, Many of the companies, like even Microsoft, they're announcing uh, uh, hiring freezes. Um, and I was just even looking at some data in the semiconductor industry, for example, um, they very quickly have gone, you know, a couple months ago, just two, two, three months ago, if we we're talking about semiconductors, we're talking about a major shortage of chips. Um, now, they're actually in an oversupply, they have too much inventory. So they're starting to, they're probably going to delay some of their um, capacity expansions that they have planned, they're not going to be hiring people. In some, some cases, they're going to be laying people off. Um, transportation issues like logistics container container shipping prices, uh, those things have come down back closer to normalized levels. So there is good reason to believe, potentially, depending on what else happens, that we should, that these lower monthly rates of inflation should persist. So I'm going to make a forecast here and another forecast. And this forecast is that assuming that this information holds, that we are going to see the Bank of Canada is scheduled to um, meet again, potentially raise rates again in December. I think it's around December 9th. It really is difficult to say. I say that if we're if we're hanging around this 0.1% or if there's there's not any big surprise in inflation, they probably don't increase. But if they do increase, it'll be a small one and then they finish there, right. And then we start to see them decrease at least a couple of times around the end of the first quarter. Now once again, should anybody rely on this prediction or make any investment decisions based on this prediction? No, don't do it. We're just having a little bit of fun here looking at the data. But at least at the very least, we're seeing some hope. We're seeing a light at the end of the tunnel. Um, And if we're in a situation where the market sees that the, that the central bankers are not going to be increasing rates anymore, and we're potentially looking at some stimulative activities um, over the upcoming quarters, then I think that stock prices... Will likely respond positively because a lot of the overvaluation—not all of it, but a lot of the overvaluations—been taken on the market. So that's my prediction. That's my forecast. You know, laugh at it. Don't listen to it. Don't use it as investment advice. Uh, I'm not. I. I. I don't claim to have any ability to predict the future. There's a lot of things that can happen to derail this model and uh, and the assumptions. So just uh, take a look at the data. And that's about it. Come to your own conclusions. So what do you? guys We think? talked
0: over the weekend. This is extrapolation. Extrapolation forecasts are often correct. They're useless Always. because everybody yeah. uses them, right? But they're yeah. like, even if you're correct, it's useless. But no, but yeah, it's 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 good to do that extrapolation and see where the data takes us. So well, I, because, no, it was look, interesting. Like when we're that at couldn't have 6. been more 9... fun. That's all I can say. What? Right.
2: When we're looking at the six point nine percent inflation rate right yeah. now most of what that is is the high inflation rate that we saw in the first quarters of the year. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's not so much what we've seen recently. So as we okay. move towards the first quarter of next year, yeah. those numbers will be in the mix.
0: I mean the market would love to hear uh, an easing of the, you know, hawkish trend in terms of uh, interest rates being ri- ratcheted up over time. It may, you know, in the U S it probably continues in the near term and into into next year but you know if you start to get a flattening of that that's what the markets are looking for the issue with the markets is some of the valuation uh, premium definitely has come off but um, now you're facing potential earnings declines so you're getting kicked in the face and then kicked in the groin again two things the premium coming off and perhaps in the near term we're going to see some earnings decline. So, you know, that, that'll work its way through the market. There are starting to be some values that we're starting to see now in some unique, unique situations. So we spent two hours on the phone this morning with a company that, you know, it was very interesting as well. So it's good it's good to see. And uh, I think you are finding some, we are finding some unique opportunities now. So let's get to our star and dog of the week. Our star, um, our dog you're going to start with probably, yeah, right? dog. Our yeah. dog is Spotify. I'll the dog first. Dog and end on a positive note, isn't that? Yeah. I always used to end on a yeah. dog. Maybe Exactly. That's like some... Why would you oh, do that? Star star? I don't it know. star and dog? Yes. Not there you know. go. <laughs> now it's a dog and star. Yeah. That's why no. I did it, Aaron. Thank oh. you. No, you
3: it's know, we're going known. to an overvalued company. There, yes. There's your transition. Well, dog previous, so, and star. Yeah.
0: All so righty, a dog well. is Spotify uh, spot on the NASDAQ. I'll let Brett take it away.
1: All bit. right. From our Stars and Dogs segment, it's time for this week's Dog.
3: Like Ryan said, our Dog of the Week is Spotify, symbol S-P-O-T or Spot on the NASDAQ. It is currently down nearly 70% year-to-date trading at a price of $73. The company has a recently poor performance since it released its Q3 earnings on October 25th and has fallen 24% since. Spotify is one of the world's largest music and streaming service providers. The company offers both a premium and ad-supported service. The company did have top-line growth year-over-year, but has stagnated over the past four quarters. For Q3 2021, so last year, the company has been teetering on the edge of profitability but has since just fallen off the company reported a net loss of 166 euros which is about the same in dollars these days and on a per share basis 86 euros, 0. 0.86 euros a significant reason for the increasing loss is the heightened operating expenses including marketing and r&d the increased marketing has helped add monthly active users from 381 million to 456 over the past year, due to the high growth in less developed markets, including India and Brazil. Management has favored raising these expenses in hopes of long term gains from the expansion of the music segment and increasing its focus on podcasts and audiobooks. But the long term risk has short term headwinds, and that is what we are seeing right now. Spotify is counting on being able to raise its subscription price in 2023, which may cause some users to drop off as they tighten their wallets in a recessionary scenario. Some are claiming, though, that this will just cause users to shift to the ad-driven free version, but that is not just a simple case, because ads have been under significant pressures, as seen in other companies like Meta who are reliant on them. Overall, the company is the market is very pessimistic on the company with near-term gross products, prospects of the company being poor, leading to the slouching price, making it our dog of the week.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you look at since this company went public, um, you know, it's just th- there's many of these charts that, like in the, te- the sort of mm-hmm. quasi tech industry where you see such a huge run up basically during the pandemic, which sounds crazy. But, you know, you look back at where they were, like, I think this was, in April of 2018, when uh, they listed and 158 dollars, they're more than cut in half from that period. And and if you look at where the highs were, like 340 dollars, just absolutely cratered since that point. But um, as I understand, they they still don't really make any money on an earnings no. basis at this point. So no, it's just, uh, for us, it, it, there's a reason it's a dog. Uh, you know, and I mean, it's still it for value. us,
2: right? I mean, some yeah. people would say, well, you value value it with forecasts, you value it with revenue. You know sure but we want to see you know for if you're looking forward on a stock it certainly gives you some comfort that the company has a track record that it's been able to be profitable um, and that's I mean that's that's really just simply validating the business model
0: yeah us. I mean there's been significant revenue growth right like 2017 4.9 billion six billion in 2018 7.5 2019 nine point six in 2020 eleven and 2021 20, but the trailing 12 months now is just 11 slightly above that so it's flattened there was growth there but mm-hmm. you know show us that you can make some money i think is what we'd like to see in a business otherwise it's you know going to continue to be a dog in our opinion mm-hmm. so let's look at our star yeah. it'll be a Speaking different story of money, here, right
1: yeah <laughs> from our stars and dogs segment it's time for this week's
3: star 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 The star of the week is Modine Manufacturing Co. symbol MOD on the New York Stock Exchange, which is up 54% over just the last month and 97% year to date. The company designs, manufactures, and tests heat transfer products for a wide variety of application markets. The company has two segments, climate solution and performance technology. The stock price has had a strong run over the past year and has recently been pushed up higher after posting strong fiscal quarterly results. Net sales increased 21% from the prior year to $578.8 million, and earnings per share skyrocketed to $0.46 from only $0.01 in the prior year. The company is attributing the strong results to strong gross margin improvements of 280 basis points, or 2.8%, to 16.6% total, as well as increasing volumes across both segments. The company has seen choppy revenue and net income over the past five years. The revenue hasn't significantly increased past the recent five year trends, but income from operations have pushed higher and higher, leading to this bullish case. The recent spike in earnings has additionally allowed the company to pay down its debt by 32.1 million, lowering its debt position, net debt position to 301 million. The company is betting on the ever growing data center industry, which of course needs significant cooling. The company has recently repurposed a facility which was formerly a warehouse in Rockbridge, Virginia, which is around a bunch of these data centers, to manufacture these cooling solutions under its Airdale brand. We'll see what in the coming years and months whether or not Modine can finally have sustained growth, but for now it is our star of the week. Do
2: you have a valuation on that, Brett?
3: I not on the top I'll quickly check it's not too high for their recent growth it's a 9 PE. but it like I said it's been very choppy over the mm-hmm. last few years Inter- yeah, so look-
2: well, it's, it's an interesting space data center, exactly so certainly I mean if 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 they're servicing the cloud market that's a market mm-hmm. that's where it's it's continued to, to grow at a at a very strong rate um public cloud spending I think is is estimated to increase at 21 percent in 2023 so high growth market, there could be opportunities.
0: Yeah, and and there's companies servicing these sectors. I mean, the the revenue growth like over the past four or five years has not been tremendous in this business. The profitability, the margins uptick significantly there. So what we would have to do when we see this is, is that sustainable? Was there, you know, did they increase prices with and commodity input prices came down or there, you know, something like that. And is, can that reverse in a quarter coming up? We are seeing, and are they, or are they seeing onshoring, like reshoring of the, uh, the operations, what was previously being mm-hmm. bought in China? I'm not saying that's going on with this business at all, but there are some businesses that we look at that have tr- had in the manufacturing sector tremendous growth um, over this year, where you know growth they haven't seen either ever or certainly in the last three to five years. So we just got to we we want to make sure whether or not you know there's a lot, there are some companies that were taking on higher inventory so were they buying like their end customers buying more to have more in inventory because of the shortages they faced i mean it it was a trend always because it's more efficient to have like just in time type inventory right like you you don't hold a lot of inventory because it costs money um now that kicked people in the groin during the pandemic because like you just if you didn't have the inventory you couldn't sell products and that had happened so they built up inventories I mean, we looked at expel as a business they followed they just had results out yesterday i mean they have built up inventory over the course of this year because they don't want to be caught with their pants down without having the product to sell if the demand is there now they are going to take that you know as the economy normalizes they're going to take that inventory down to more normalized levels so whoever you know they've bought it the the their input they bought, they're going to at some point buy less in a quarter. So we got to make sure that some of these manufacturing companies aren't selling something that other companies have been stocking their inventories with in this unique condition, because it is a really unique environment. Um, But there's certainly if everything is being reshored, that is a, you know, that's a positive for North American manufacturers. So all of these factors have to be taken in. And it is a very interesting time. And there are some opportunities out there. I mean, we had one of the companies in our coverage uh, that manufactures our star last week, Hammond Power. The stock has gone from $11 to 21 this year in a terrible market because I know some of these trends have worked in its favor. In our Your Stock, Our Take segment this week, Aaron, like I said, is going to look at Decisive Dividend Corp. A, a question came in from a viewer on that company. Aaron, you got to take that
1: one. It's time we answer a question on your stock. In a little segment we like to call Your Stock Our Take. Buy, sell or hold.
2: Is Tom and he is interested in learning a little bit about decisive dividend. We're going to take a look at this company. This is a company I've looked at in the past for our income research so I'm somewhat familiar with it. Uh, it trades uh, on the TSX under the symbol DE Trading right now at $5, it's a $73 million market cap company, and it currently pays a yield of over 7%. So what they do is they are an acquisition-oriented company focused on manufacturing. They identify other companies in the manufacturing industry that they acquire, they bring those companies into their portfolio, and then manage them, Um, use the cash flow to pay a dividend to their shareholders, and then ideally the objective is to grow those dividends over time. They have uh, seven companies in their portfolio right now. Companies like uh, Blaze King uh, was one of the original names in 2015. This is a wooden gas stove manufacturing facility. Um, They have companies that operate in different markets including agriculture energy services. This is a a stock chart for the company going back to 2013. You can see the performance over that period of time has actually been pretty good and the company has been trending up uh, recently it's one of the outliers actually in the market right now it's been performing quite well in 2022 which is uh which is a rarity these days very good financial results for the last quarter growing the revenue 57 percent to almost 26 million adjusted EBITDA increased 118 percent to just under four million earnings per share of 15 cents an increase of 275 percent and they also reported free cash flow per share of 19 cents compared to negative 16 cents or loss in the previous year. So these numbers look very good. Uh, a couple of comments from the CEO for about the quarter. Uh, During the quarter, we achieved record quarterly operating results for the second straight quarter, so two strong quarters of, quarter, of operating results. He also said that each of our portfolio companies continue to experience strong demand for their products, as demonstrated by our record revenue levels and robust growth. So Good, strong performance uh, across the business. They made an acquisition earlier in the year, which helped growth. And they're also in the process of closing another acquisition right now. Taking a look at the balance sheet, they have about $37 million in debt, net debt to EBITDA multiple of three times and debt equity of 1.55 times. So I think this balance sheet is okay. The leverage ratios look okay. I might say just given the small size of the company, I mean, it's it's, uh, it's a micro to small cap right now. Uh, Maybe the maybe the leverage ratio, net debt to EBITDA is slightly high. I might be a little more comfortable at two and two, two and a half times, but you know, three times is certainly reasonable. It is a manufacturing company. I just wouldn't see it want. I just wouldn't want to see it balloon up to four times or higher than that. Um, but as I said, I have been, I have known this company in the past. I've looked at them before, and there's there's one thing that I have noticed about them that I that is not uh, something that I want to see from a company that I'm potentially going to invest in. And that's that they just they don't really have a sustainable track record of growth when it comes to free cash flow per share. So looking at the free cash flow per share going back to 2016, you know, there's some ups and downs, volatilities, a couple of volatility, a couple of years where cash flow is basically break even uh, a really strong year in 2020. But there is also some government um, support there during the pandemic with the Canadian, um, um, the choose. Canadian employment wage subsidy. I can't remember what it's called. C E W S. Yeah. It's <laughs> C W S it's been a while since I've seen it, but that, that also did, uh, did benefit them in 2020. So if we were to look at just the dividend, the dividend sustainability um, really nice yield of 7.2%. It has come up recently. They have increased the dividend, but only up to the pre pandemic levels. Because they did reduce the dividend during the pandemic, uh, but if you look at the at the payout ratio, very healthy for the third quarter. But when we look at for the nine months of the year, payout ratio of one hundred and sixty eight percent based on free cash flow, our calculation of free cash flow. So that's uh, that's concerning to say the least. So what is our take on decisive dividend? Well, we do think it's an interesting company. They have an interesting portfolio of different businesses and very strong financial momentum over the past couple of quarters, but. That free cash flow is, is certainly uh, concerning. You know, they don't have a track record of consistent free cash flow and, and sustainable growth and the payout ratio as well for the nine month period is concerning. So this is a situation where we think that it warrants deeper investigation, but it's not something that we're going to run out and buy right now, even though the numbers look good there, they have great market support. If those quarterly numbers continue, the stock should end up doing very well, but we want to, We want to just continue to follow them. And that's a a bit of a segue into me talking about some research that we are starting right now, and that will be the 2023 Canadian Dividend All-Star Report. So this is where we look at every dividend paying company in the Canadian market. We do research on every one of them, and then we provide a very vetted list in the report um, of the companies that we think offer the best value based on dividend growth in in cash flow, general competitiveness of the business and the business model and uh and that is going to be out before the end of the year. So um decisive dividend will be part of that research and and who knows at that time we might um we might gain some more perspectives.
0: Sorry, who who knows during this period, you know, we may get or they may get uh or some businesses that they're looking at may come on sale. So we would hope and that's why you're Certainly. looking at the leverage ratio Certainly. too. Uh, you want them to be able to take advantage of you know, a downturn and be able to buy some businesses they might have been yep. far more expensive a year ago or two years ago.
2: Um, and likely I mean, they, they may have the opportunity to do that. They have increased yeah. their credit facilities. They do have the ability yeah. to make more acquisitions. As I said, they're in the process of completing one um, now. So yeah. that should also...
0: I think there was two this helpful. year by the company. So you yeah, know, one they're completing right now. Two, yeah. two,
2: including the one that I just mentioned, yeah. yeah.
0: It's it's certainly an like interesting business, and I mean the perfect scenario were there to be a massive net cash balance and no debt, but I mean you know that's unrealistic. I mean mm-hmm. debt is coming up in terms of the price you're paying for it. Maybe it levels off for them. So those are things we would monitor, and you know just what they're what they believe the companies that they're looking at, what they can pay for, and whether or not they trade at a multiple above that and are able to maybe potentially use their shares as currency. Uh, to purchase some other now they do have some cash in the bank right now and like you said access to capital so hopefully they can take advantage of the downturn and that's we're looking for companies that are able to do this and accelerate out on the other side all right well i think that ends our show this week clearly the highest rated show it will be of all time as we don't have brennan here um minus those three listeners in saskatoon right so we uh, can encourage you to continue to go to YouTube, smash that subscribe button. Uh, go If you're listening to this as a podcast, go to iTunes, rate and review us. And um, keep your questions coming into our Your Stock, Our Take segment. We will review those on a weekly basis. Uh, and I thank you all for listening and wish you all profitable investing.
2: Thank you all, profitable investing.
3: Thank you.